So lean in construction, I've been hearing about that for a few years now. Yeah, um, since that started off in like the 1990s. So is it, how's it grown much? I mean, I know people who are trying to move it faster, move it forward, but yeah, it's grown. I guess, but I, I, guess I, I have saw, a sense of how big it is. I saw your post on your website on Prover where lean yeah. has like a tombstone. And I thought, this is perfect. <laughs> I was like, this is so good. Like, I got to yeah. show that to Jay Carroll. He's got to see that post of yours. Yeah. And, uh, we definitely could spark some uh, dialogue. I think. Oh, yeah. The three of yeah. us could talk about how lean died. It's like it's over. Oh, yeah. A lot of people yeah, say it's it, it, it more. It kind of morphed into something else that's probably maybe not quite lean, but it's more commercial, <laughs> I guess. More easy to, you know, more modular, modularized. Yeah, but I had another you know? guy on the show who was industrial engineer. I mean, he still is, and he teaches industrial engineering, mm. and he has a consulting practice. And he's like, "Lean is a terrible photocopy of industrial engineering." <laughs> and, I, and I was like, <laughs> yeah. "I was like, how big is industrial engineering growing these days?" I was like, "Let's turn the table and like, are there, are there? You just don't hear of like industrial engineers doing anything since Taiichi Ono." So I mean, like, yes, well, it, it's, it's kind don't of throw rocks lean, really. when you live in yeah. a glass house. <laughs> yeah. I mean, most IEs become CI people now. Yep. So that's <laughs> lean and CI people. So exactly. when I first came out, like into an in 04, you know, industrial engineering was more broader than lean and CI, but I think it's kind of narrowed in on, and then you got a lot of other engineers and a lot of other people that are not even degreed engineers becoming continuous improvement people right yep. and lean people so it's you know it's a whole thing it's a whole industry that is i got a lot of mixed feelings about you know what's going on with lean it's this i guess it's the concepts right it's, it's you got to kind of know it and do it to fully internalize it before you can you know speak to it i also find that like um like i pick up a new customer for example and i'm sure you do this too like a new client or something mm -hmm. and inside their business they speak a very different language you can read all the text you want on it but you really don't learn to speak it until you have been long enough speaking with people in the company the phonetics of how they talk you know more uh more and more the more time you're there so yeah i find that just reading and that thing doesn't quite teach you the the language as well as speaking it for the construction teams there's all there are words and phrases that are only used in certain areas and mm -hmm. i've gone overseas and to south america as well and and it's the same like they have some little idiosyncrasies too but but there and then there's right. some terms that are only in construction that don't exist in retail don't exist in manufacturing which is kind of funny because construction touches both those industries tangentially as well and oh yeah. you still have that uh there's like a disconnect between how people buy procure design build manage and then there's a lot of similar project management type of words that permeate across multiple industries, which I'm sure that's, that's our, like our, our dictionary of terms, you know, coming from some oh, of yeah. those basic PM type of things. Yeah. So. It definitely helps to be sort of in the, in the environment long enough. Right. Cause then I think it, I think it comes with credibility too, right? Like uh, right. the longer you've been there, the more credible you are because you speak the way they speak. And absolutely, you know, it's not that you know your job any better, it's just that you you speak the way they speak so they you know people people embrace your thoughts and ideas a little easier 
Welcome to the EBFC Show, the easier, better, for construction podcast. I'm your host, Felipe Engineer Manriquez. This show is all about the business of construction. Today's episode is sponsored by Bosch Refine My Site is a cloud-based construction collaboration platform that applies lean principles to enable your entire team to plan, communicate, and execute in real time. It's the digital tool that works in tandem with your last planner system process and puts it all together in one simple, collaborative ecosystem system. This easy-to-use platform is available in English, German, Spanish, Portuguese, and French and can be used on desktops, tablets, and mobile devices. According to Spencer Easton, Scheduling Manager at Oakland Construction, Refine My Site, in my opinion, is the best, leanest tool on the market for the last planner system. Here's what our users have to say. We've looked at three other digital scheduling platforms and none compare to the straightforward approach Refine My Site takes. From milestone planning all the way down to daily tasks, this program gives every general contractor and their trade partners meaningful collaboration, accountability, and KPIs. Register today to try Refine My Site for free for 60 days. Today's show is also sponsored by the Lean Construction Institute. LCI is working to lead the building industry in transforming its practices and culture. Its vision is to create a healthy and thriving industry that delivers outstanding project outcomes every time for everyone. Check the show notes for more information. Now, to the show. Welcome to the show, Calvin L. Williams. I'm doing fantastic. Appreciate you having me. Please tell the good people of the BFC show a little about yourself. We do do the podcast. Um, it's it's not so structured as as and professional as yours. We we tend to just go and uh, just go and really pull in the folks that we're really excited to talk to, and uh, it's not so uh, reg- regimented and uh, scheduled as a as a as a typical podcast that that uh, that you see out there. But it's a really fun show. Um, but it's it's almost like a a good tool of connecting with our community. Um, what we really do is we are a technology company, and we offer a agile strategy execution software, and we we couple some services with that. My background though is is largely in operations leadership and continuous improvement. So, uh, started out as a as an IE industrial engineer right out of uh, University of Nebraska in Lincoln, and. Took my first job at Tyson as an IE, um, worked there for a few years, went to Nestle. That's where I got into continuous improvement. Um, I guess Tyson really wasn't trying to do CI back then. This had to have been 2000 and 2008 timeframe. And uh, yeah, Nestle was looking for a CI leader. But of course, me, uh, I was never a great subordinate. So I'd start doing stuff anyway. Um, end up doing a really great changeover reduction event that reduced changeovers by like 36% in four to six weeks-ish time frame. And yeah. it ended up putting our plant, Jonesboro, Arkansas, on the map across the network it was like 56 factories across the you know nestle north america network and we ended up winning um second place in the next nestle's continuous excellence award that year so congratulations sort of was a yeah it was a big meteor strike of oh ci and jonesboro are, are on the map now right and right um after that they you know the plant really started to buy in they started to do a lot more ci related stuff um, but I still wanted some operations leadership experience. So I went to Colgate, got to run production, 
um, in the in-production second shift for a couple of years, uh, went to Mars, ran operations and was like lean manager at the same time. Um, then I took a job as a, a management consultant but with a top tier global firm, AT Kearney, uh, did that for a few years. Um, and then most recently, I was senior leader of global continuous improvement at Clorox. They were doing TPM. They were doing uh, strategy deployment and execution. They were doing, um, I was leading an enterprise change management initiative and a bunch of other really cool stuff. And about four years ago, decided, you know what? You know, being in the game this long, operations leadership, continuous improvement leadership, I realized that a lot of what I was doing could be automated using software. So uh, started started to, you know, put together a team, jumped, the, uh, uh, jumped off the corporate plank, as I like to call it, <laughs> walked the plank, started Improver about four years ago. And since then, we've been just, you know, blazing a new trail of, of in, incorporating, you know, technology in the continuous improvement space. And it's sort of evolved into the strategy execution space because, you know, through this journey, I came to realize that, you know, if, if it's not starting at the top, it's really not starting, right? It's really not. It's 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 almost a kind of a flash in the pan. It's not really a um the real thing. So um, we realized that the executives don't speak necessarily shop floor CI and lean and stuff like that. What they speak is strategy execution. What they want to do is execute their strategies. And if you're doing lean right, you should see your strategy come into fruition anyway, right? So exactly. that's sort of a sort of a, a gap in the way it was being communicated. So we're saying, saying listen, let's let's just focus on strategy execution and then kind of use that as a lever to create a true continuous improvement, everybody improving something important every day, culture throughout, you know, the entire company. So um so we sort of going down a path of agile strategy execution. I love that story. And and yeah. ladies and gentlemen, uh Calvin and I were talking before the show started. We both grew up in the same town and we <laughs> we played sports at each other's high schools That's we had, right. uh, rival high schools and even though all technically i, I could have gone to the same exact high school as calvin yeah but, we were we were almost yeah. neighbors how how small world right small world coincident and, and we both i studied electrical engineering and and i ended up in ci calvin studied industrial engineering ends up in ci i mean it's like crazy <laughs> to think it is crazy yeah wow it must have been something in the water in dalton dalton <laughs> illinois right that's right <laughs> that's right baby so calvin if yeah. i was gonna you know summarize or or call your title better would you say you're a technology company founder or or operational excellence strategy coach what would what would you say is your ideal title oh man um you know, it's hard. It's hard to really put me in the box. Uh, <laughs> right. I mean, can um, we say entrepreneur? I think entrepreneur is pretty accurate. I think even even when I was in working in companies, I was an employee, but I was still an entrepreneur. And that helped me in some ways and hurt me in some ways, you know, inside those companies. But um, yeah, I would say I would say entrepreneur, um, tech entrepreneur. I mean, that's, that's kind of where I'm at now. That's what I've evolved into. Um, but, but I do also coach and consult and, you know, do lean implementate, you know, the whole, yeah, do all that stuff. So, um, Arthur as well, actually working on the book, um, hey, when it's hey. ready, we got to come back. Yeah, that's right. I, I, yeah. I come back your on book. The show. I'm going to, I'll read the book and have you come back on the show. Absolutely. Yeah, and don't great. no free copies. I'm buying it. Everybody <laughs> you got to know that, uh, when value is delivered, feel free to that's pay. It. And show 
that you value it. That's it, right? And if they don't pay, then, you know, there's no value, right? Exactly. You don't get to know. It should be worth a few bucks. I mean, I haven't set a price yet, but, you know, if it's worth anything, you, you, you'd be willing to part with a few bucks to get it. Right? At least, so, at least 20 bucks. Let's at least 20. A, let's just put a price on it right now of at least 20. At I least will tell 20. you this though, right? There is so much incredible research and, um, you know, kind of synthesis of that research combined with a lot of real industry experience driving lean and continuous improvement and, you know, strategy execution, a lot of it being baked into this work. And, you know, my goal is for it to be a transformational, transformative work in the space of continuous improvement. So uh, I'm excited. Um, yeah, I love that. I need an idea of premise. I don't know how much yeah, time we have, but we got all the time yeah. for you that you need. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so the the book the the working title is Fit F I T, which stands for Framework for Iterative Transformation. Right. Oh, I love that. Love so if you think that. of Agile, you know, yeah. iterative transformation. Right. Um, the subtitle is Agile Strategy Execution for um, Unstoppable Growth. Right. That's kind of the uh, the working title, but the the concept of fit is almost like a play on the concept of lean. Um, if you think of lean as as you know, uh, create value for the customer, you know, reduce waste, eliminate waste, that kind of thing. Um, the connotation of the word lean is a little bit misleading for somebody who's not educated on lean, right? Absolutely. And usually, yes. the word comes before the education. So always, person seeing that word may think lean means getting skinny. Yep. And a lot of companies have taken that and and have become anorexic in a way, right? Too skinny. Right. And I talk to a lot of leaders and, you know, I say, hey, you know, tell me about your business. And one of the first things they say is, well, we run a very lean staff. And I'm thinking, oh, that means you don't have enough people to do your job. Is that what that exactly. means? <laughs> so oftentimes that's what they mean. So um, the concept of fit is more directional. It's more about your function. It's more about what you're trying to achieve. So you need to get fit for what you are trying to accomplish. You're you're already fit for what you're already accomplishing. That's what you're, you know, that's what you're fit to do. But if you want to accomplish something greater, something more, you have to become fit for that. And that's what creates the need for continuous improvement, right? Um, so I like the I like the term fitness or fit um better than I like the term lean, you know. Not everybody, oh, yeah. not lean, more lean is not always good. More fit is always good, right? Yeah. And more then as they start to implement yeah. the that framework for iterative transformation, yeah. then then as a as a coach, it's very easy to rate the fit. Absolutely. Yeah, you right. see what I did there? Exactly. <laughs> it, it, exactly, right? I need, yeah, I'm gonna have to get you to do a forward on the book, but uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was um, like, my son's always every time I like, we put some clothes on or we're trying some we just got some glasses recently and my son put on the pair of glasses. He's like, Dad, rate the fit. That's it, like, right? Ten out of ten, son. <laughs> that's my son too. He's ten out of ten guy. Yeah. Um, but that's a great point. It's like if you if you're clear on where you're trying to be, you're clear on your destination, then it's very easy to rate whether or not what you're doing is working or not, right? Your level of fitness, you know. You try to get to the moon and back. Yep. Yeah, that's it, right? Um, the thing I like, I, I like about it, what it really excites me about this work is that if you think about, um, so there's sort of a back uh, understory that kind of, that's kind of woven into the book, right? It's the, it's the JFK, the moonshot, 
where it's like we're gonna get to the moon and back by 1970, right? Um, that was just super ambitious, crazy, impossible goal, right? In in the eyes of a lot of people, but it's incredibly inspiring at the same time. When the goal was set, the capability to achieve that goal had not been developed, right? We didn't have the engineering, we didn't have the science, we didn't have the the, the technology to achieve that. But in that, just just for in in um, these sort of byproduct of setting that goal and working toward it, we ended up becoming, you know, um, even more of a global superpower, right? And a lot of it was, if you think about the military capability of the U.S. with rocket technology and science and all that stuff, um, it made us, it put us, light, you know, almost light years ahead of anybody else in the world. Absolutely. Because right? at the time, it was like the, the the Russian missile crisis and all that stuff, and it was a lot of fear that Russia was kind of getting ahead of, ahead of us scientifically um, and, you know, engineering-wise, and us saying, we're going to be first to the moon and back, and doing that and working on that and investing in that and inspiring people for that, we ended up just blasting ahead of the rest of the world and we we brought the rest of the world ahead with us right the right kind of the foundation for gps technology came out of that um the foundations for the internet came out of that like so many things that we all still benefit and prosper from came from jfk kind of putting it all on the line and saying we're going to do that impossible thing and that's yeah, but, yeah. absolutely and that uh, transcendent goal later gets adopted by uh, people in the agile movement and it, it gets put into different frameworks like my favorite scrum of course yeah. and, and you even wrote about this in one of your blog posts on your site and we'll put a link to your site improver.com in the description notes below so that everybody can consume the beautiful blog content the <laughs> get access to the technology and the the user interface that you're showing calvin is gorgeous by the way oh, it's very believe so, you are too kind man no, too kind. i appreciate that i i'm honest i don't give out uh, fake compliments i only put real compliments in my my done column after they've been given but uh hey, you've got a you've got a, awesome. a yeah you're welcome there's an article called if you like football you'll love agile strategy execution and i often <laughs> yeah. and people don't even realize like i was i was cyber stalking calvin probably for about uh, four and a half ish years when he was making the transition <laughs> from, from Clorox to becoming independent and, and running improver or founding oh, improver is, is a, yeah, you don't even realize you came onto my radar because don't of flatter. software. I mean, it was the LinkedIn yeah. algorithm was said, Hey, if you like listening to stuff that Bobby Miliani does, you might like mm. Calvin, right? Like an Amazon book okay. recommendation, which is how I actually got to find out about agile in the first place. It was a book recommendation because oh. I was reading so many light industrial engineering type books and uh, continuous improvement type books, how I got into it. But Calvin, I mean, the way that you write or whoever's putting together this beautiful content on your, mm. on your website, I mean, it is clear. One thing is super clear. Also it's not good. It's not just theory. Like uh, the way things come across, I can tell that there is a, a mountain of experience and evidence with these concepts. And so like, there's, there's one little graphic and I'll probably put the graphic here from the article so people can see it as we're talking mm. about it. And you've just got like three simple things. You're like, here's three simple ways to think about this. I use this, the same content when I'm teaching people how to use scrum in design construction. That's why it's super resonate with me. You said you got to have a, a long-term goal, a short-term goal and the next action step, which a lot of people listening 
we've got some kata geeks out there i'm sure and kata mm-hmm. geeks know exactly where that comes from some of the work oh, yeah. that uh, mike rother developed with the toyota kata oh yeah but you've got uh, this analogy to american football which i think a lot of people know what that is and rather than me like just oh, yeah. blah 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 about it can you just talk to us about why you picked american football and and just how you 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 broke broke it through these three lenses of the disciplines of execution the kata growth hacking and of course agile yeah yeah (laughs) i'm glad you i'm glad you brought that up that's a great that's a good one um yeah so if if you look at the the four disciplines of execution you you just named them um toyota kata growth hacking um lean startup um even like the good to great right they all have the base same basic framework and that's set a long-term goal right that could be a year or longer perhaps um i like to kind of you know float around a year set a short term goal um and that's you know a couple weeks couple months whatever makes sense and then your next action right and in american football right we kind of break it down american football the the long term goal is like a touchdown right yeah. we're going to do a t- we're going to score a touchdown the short term goal is like score a first down Right. And that's that's what you're actively working to do in the moment is trying to score a touchdown. But you don't create like a long plan to score a touchdown. You don't say we're going to run these exact plays in series. What you do is you run one play. And then you 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 huddle, you assess how that play went. Right. This is this right. is the same in Toyota Kata where you're doing like PDCA cycles in between each, you know, each experiment. Right. And um or disciplines of execution is like you 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 execute a commitment and then you have the team meeting and then you talk about the next commitment right um all these things sort of built on the same fundamental structure as american football and what it makes football work so well for this and, and of course your next action is your next play um right. what makes football work so well for this is it's progressive right you're progressing toward the touchdown over time it's iterative meaning you run a play you learn from what you just did. You sort of think about what you should do next, and then you you know go ex- you go execute the next play, right? So it's iterative, um, and then it's cyclical, meaning um, you know you get sort of a break between each action, right? And you kind of decide your next action. So, um, so really, yeah, if you look at Toyota Kata framework, it's the exact same thing. You know, four DX, all these, all these sort of, I think the whole world is moving in that direction, and part of the reason it's moving that way is because the level of disruption and unpredictability is only increasing with time. You can't create this big massive plan and then go out and say, yeah, we're going to execute this plan almost blindly. Um, because what that does is triggers a, did you get it done mindset? You don't think, <laughs> you don't think anymore. <laughs> you stop thinking. And I'm only, only laughing question- so hard because I've been involved in so many continuous improvement efforts where I've, where you've now just given words to the the faces and the management style and approach. That's it. It's like, we we got this plan. We're going to stop thinking. And then it goes straight into execution. It goes straight into, did you get it done? Did you get it done? You know, it doesn't even matter that the thing you're being asked to get done is still relevant, right? It's no longer relevant, right? Because, you know, you create the plan at day zero, a month later, you have a pandemic. So this whole 12 month plan is now obsolete, right? So instead of creating a new plan based on the new reality, you know, you know, people just continue trying to execute the same old obsolete plan, right? Just imagine 
the enormous waste that that produces. I, I think this between me and you, Felipe, um, and, and, your, and, and the listeners to the show here. I think that this thing, because of the rate of disruption and because we have such an ingrained status quo of create these massive plans and just blindly execute the plan, I think this is the greatest um, the greatest category or the greatest source of waste across entire enterprises that there is. This is it. This is the single greatest source of waste. And unfortunately, the biggest of the eighth waste, right? You know, uh, the eighth waste, eight, eight waste, even it is, this is often considered the eighth waste. The biggest waste is wasted talent and ideas. Because again, if you're, if you're just blindly executing a rigid plan, you're almost shutting off the spigot of, of ideas to address today's reality, like the real, what's going on right now, reality. So um, I think with Agile, Agile strategy execution um, and this model we were describing before, this this almost forces you to think between every play. Just run a play, something you can get done in a day, something you can get done in a week. Run that play. Let's come back and let's think again. Let's learn. And then let's decide what we're going to do next. You know, that's ultimately what it comes down to. Yeah, that's brilliant. And there's a corollary in lean construction. We were talking about that before the show started. In lean yeah. construction, they developed... Uh, a methodology for doing long and short-term planning to help mm. critical path method scheduling or big, these big gigantic Gantt chart plans was originally the problem they were trying to solve was, you know, make that update effort easier. And as a, as an accidental side effect of trying to make that better using lean types of methodologies and good industrial engineering practices, they invented something totally different that completely can replace that type of uh, planning, big, super detailed to the day, multi-year planning, right? something that's way more agile, that's long-term and short-term. And as you're talking about it, a lot of people, if, if they're so used to the three-year long Gantt chart or mm. waterfall schedule plan, and they're so used to being just graded on, did you get this done at this day? You know, what's, yep. your, what's your completion rate? Are you trending above or below? What's your earned value? What's your yep. schedule performance index? What, you know, some of these types of terms, they take and they learn this new thing and they, they call it last planner system production controls is the new thing, mm -hmm. pool planning. And then they still apply the same type of thinking to, did you get it done? Did you yep. do it? And it's like, it's like that plan doesn't even relevant anymore. But when you no. take that agile <laughs> approach, like you said, and like, I know that I want to score a touchdown, right? That's Super it. simple, basic, like football. How do I get there? I'm going to run a series of plays. We should That's stop it. as a team and check to see, hey, we're trying to get a first down right now. We yep. only move four yards. It's simple math. <laughs> Ten minus four, right? That's how many That's more right. yards we need. But a lot of times with these plannings, people are like, okay, the schedule says we should do this. Did you yep. do it? Yes or no? And they don't even think like, well, how is that going to help you get to the end of this phase? That's right? it, right? Right. So I love that the, you know, the moon going to the moon is a big transcendent goal. And we love transcendent goals and agile frameworks like XP and scrum and scrum mm. borrows a lot of that good stuff. So like, if we're, I always tell teams like, and maybe you do the same when you're working with teams, like if we're building a school, uh, schools have a very easy thing. It's like, you know, in August, say August 23rd, the kids are coming back to school. So we have to be done so the kids can start school. And so the transcendent goal, the big goal is Q1 
kids starting school. And, and we know the date and everybody makes plans and actions and small pieces to get to the kids start school, right? If we do a hospital or a wastewater treatment plant or a manufacturing facility or a data center or anything else, sometimes people forget to make it as simple as what do we need to do and when is it important to have that done? And then you That's either, it. it's yes or no questions. It's like, we're, it's a game of inches. Like they said in the movie, like I remember Al Pacino right. had the, the famous quote that this game football is a game of inches. It and really we, is. Right. right. And we're just making moves to get that inch. That's we're going to make all those inches adding up. And I, I don't remember how many inches are in a hundred yards. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah. Right? Eventually, 30, 36 we, times a hundred. Right. Yeah, exactly. 3,600 maybe. That's know. where we're trying to get to. So I stopped I think, doing public uh, math a long time ago. Yeah, <laughs> I got it. I got to also whip out. I know my strengths and my my strengths. And there you go. Using right. a calculator is the strength that gets me to the right number. That's it. That's it. Right. Calculator, <laughs> Excel. I'm a wizard. I'm good. But you're uh, oh. you're what you're showing in the what you've written and the stuff that I've seen you talking about. And Calvin's been on a lot of amazing shows that I listen to, like Gemba Academy and others good. and it's, yeah. i still want to know like i have not heard and all the things i've been stalking you on like where did you get your foundation in uh, your agile understanding and practice where'd that come from you know uh you know it, it's a lot like my my history with lean and continuous improvement is you know i i guess i didn't seek out to be educated on lean or ci or agile at first um it kind of just like I looked at the problems I was having and figured out, try to figure out how to solve them, right? And I was coming up with ideas and sort of trying to figure out how to communicate my ideas. And in, and in researching and trying to figure out how to say what I was trying to say is when I stumbled on Toyota Kata, right? It's like I was trying to do Toyota Kata, right? I was trying, I was doing it. I was, you know, I had folks that were, that was like willing participants. And then I had folks that was on the fence and I was trying to, you know, educate the folks on the fence and um, I was like, man, how do I say this thing more effectively? And then I stumble onto Toyota Kata because obviously Mike says these things in such a really brilliant way, right? It's like, oh, yes, he does. this is great. This is prepackaged. I could just hand him the book and he, you know, they, they'll get it, right? I read the book myself and loved it. And a lot of content I find just like, oh yeah, this is, this is it, right? This is saying what I've been trying to say, right? Right. Same thing with Agile. Um, like I was moving toward, you know, more toward away from like the project list and all that stuff. And especially when it comes to strategy and seeing how like I was executing strategy at uh, Clorox. And this was my experience. I would go into the plants in once a year and help them figure out their priorities and, you know, help them build some project plans, some, uh, some, some, some strategy execution plans, right? Um, then I would check in with them probably once a quarter and some I wouldn't check in until the next year when it was time to re redo the plan. And in almost every case, uh, there was a rare few exceptions, but in almost every case, I would go back a year later and I would just ask just for the sake of asking, how did it go with last year's plan? And almost nobody had an answer. It was almost as if we just got together for a week and banged our heads together for a week, coming up with breakthrough thoughts and all kind of stuff. And then you just took that plan and balled it up and threw it in the, in the drawer, a dark drawer, never to be looked at again. That was, that was the rule. I'm only laughing this hard 
because spending 25 years in the construction industry and Man. having been part of so many strategy offsites and like right. these magical things that you just described. And like, I remember even some companies, uh, I'm not going to name any names, but uh, people you can look on LinkedIn and figure out who I'm talking about. I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you're right. People just, they, they have this kumbaya special feeling together, typically yeah. at very nice locations. Right. And then yeah, exactly. The a year location. later, <laughs> they just set another strategy and they don't even check to see like, they don't close the loop. Like, they did we get the clo- right? They just don't close the this, loop. This, this, this is the analogy I like to use, right? This is in the book too. So again, check out the book. It's going to be amazing. But it's, be uh, it's almost like a pilot, right? Getting on a plane and saying, hey, we're going to go to Sacramento, right? Your hometown, right? right? Yeah. We're in Atlanta. We're going to go to Sacramento. And we got everybody on board. Everybody agrees. Okay, we want to Sacramento. That's where we all want to be, right? And it's like taking off from Atlanta, landing somewhere, right? Somewhere. Not even looking around to see where you landed, right? And just coming up with a new plan is we're going to go to Tokyo, getting on a plane and taking off again, right? (laughs) Did you make it to Sacramento? Nobody knows. Nobody cares. Now we're going to Tokyo, right? And it's like a very dysfunctional way to run a business, but it's, it's, it's almost ubiquitous that it is companies run this way, you know? So, um, so I decided, you know what, let's, let's not come up with a year long plan. Let's do this. Tell me what you're going to do by next week. Right. Right. Tell me what your destination is. All right. We got that context. What are you going to have done by next week? And let's talk next week. You know, cause people just can't process a year out. Right. You can't process work that needs to be done a year from now. It's just not, especially folks in operations who is very kind of, you know, somewhat chaotic and there's a high sense of urgency to get product out and, you know, drive down costs and all that stuff, you know, address quality issues, address safety issues. There's a lot of stuff that's really high urgency. You just don't have enough mental space to to say, oh, but that thing that I'm supposed to have done a year, I got to do a little bit about that too today. You know, exactly. It just doesn't register that way. So um, what agile strategy execution does, it says, all right, we got, we got your year out destination. Then we got to break that down into your first down, which has, which we talk in weeks or months. And then we break that down further into your next action, which is binary. Either it's done or it's not done, but we need to see some action in like a day or a week, relatively short frame, time frame, right? Because, you know, people can bite that, that chunk out of the elephant, right? They can handle that bite, you know, but with typical strategy, strategy deployments, like here's a whole elephant, you figure it out. You know, yeah, they're not going to figure it out. <laughs> no, they're not. They don't have the capacity. You're right. They don't. They don't have the they're mental capacity. capacity. It's not a question of intelligence, like Calvin's saying. It's right. a question of like somebody already has a 100% filled up day, and then you're taking them out of their element for this little bit and setting this goal because because manage somebody read in a management book somewhere sometime or somewhere someone said setting a stretch goal is good for people. It's not. It's absolutely not good for people. Having a goal is good. But you've recognized you have the capacity with your people and your organization and to set goals and to actually achieve them. And like, and they should be tied to business outcomes, not like just doing marketing stuff. You don't want to just say that your company does something and it doesn't actually benefit your company. That's waste. And there's a lot of, a lot of strategy out there 
that I see in multiple industries where people just want to be saying or be seen to be doing something just because right. it's like the new cool thing and not actually using it to their benefit. Well, I think, I think it's this, right? Um, a leader, you know, like a CEO has a board of directors or some type of board that kind of governs the, the, the job execution of the CEO. And this big, beautiful strategic plan is the annual strategic plan is a great way for a CEO to say, look, I'm doing a good job. Look what I did, right? I put this plan together, right? And it's, you know, it's, it scores the CEO a lot of points, you know, with the board or, you know, whoever else is kind of governing the performance of the CEO. Problem is that although great for the CEO, it's terrible for everybody else. You know, everybody else that's underneath the CEO, it's really just not a useful thing to have or to do. And you got a lot of consultancies out there. It's great for them too, right? Because oh, yeah. they get to come in, fly in for a week or two and uh, get those billable hours build this, up. Build, fill the hours up. You get together. Everybody has this, like you said, kumbaya moment. Um, and then they, you know, they get to come out saying, hey, we fixed you, right? Uh, right? No real work has been done. Like no real change, no real benefit is being made, especially at the front line level. Because if it's not happening at the front line level, then it really didn't happen, right? It was just kind of smoke, you know, smoke and clouds up, you know, upstairs, right? Right. Because um, the front line is what brings the, the something new to the customer, right? And if if it never got to the customer, the business never really benefited. So, um, but anyway, um, so yeah, I mean, it's a great tool. The, 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 the annual strategic plan is a great tool to, 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 for a CEO or le leader to say, hey, look, I'm doing a great job. I got this plan. Um, but the, you know, people lose interest right after, after you finish celebrating the fact that the plan is done, right? <laughs> lose interest in the plan and they go, they go into, you know, survival mode, you know, so. Yeah. I've seen the same parallel with uh, key performance indicators, management by objective, or, oh, yeah. uh, or the very famous uh, John Dewar's book, and I'm just spacing out on the name of the book right now. It's uh, the, the OKRs or something like that? Yeah, OKRs, Objectives OKR. and Key Results. Yeah, yeah thank you, Kelvin. Yeah. John Dewar's oh, yeah. Objectives and Key Results. And, and I was actually having a debate with a, a CI person in a, a large general contracting company just yesterday, Kelvin. Just yesterday, this debate was happening. And I said, yeah, you've got KPIs. And they, they're telling me like how fantastic it is to have KPIs. And I said, yeah, for you, the continuous improvement <laughs> person. But I said, sure. right. on your team, I was like, you just showed me this dashboard that has 80% of all the KPIs in red. And then, and I asked you, <laughs> my first question was like, what did it look like last month? Because you're showing me this snapshot report. And I said, right. are you giving people just snapshot report. So if I look at this project, that's a year and a half long, I'm going to have 18 reports just like this. Yep. Are they trending to always be like this? Like what, at what report did this start going? Are you, red? Are you, are you getting better? Right. Right. And what and are you getting the, better at? You they know? said, uh, oh. we don't look at the trend. We just look at the last month. So I said, okay, now you're only looking at two data points at any given time. Mm. My, my question's the same. When did the team go from green to red and then change something that they did? Because now we're looking at seven reports and they had to pull up seven different files because it wasn't like anywhere in one easy spot to see. And I said, this team has been trending to lose money, to lose time, and to definitely dissatisfy the client 
and you now only have six months to go before the project's over, how, what are you doing differently? Cause you had this, they had this gigantic comment, the comment box in the, in the spreadsheet gallon was like this big telling wow. you why they couldn't be in the green. And I wow. said, what? Okay. I said, all you did was tell a story as to why everything's not your fault. You're just making excuses. <laughs> exactly. In a <laughs> yeah. nice report. I was like, but nothing's changed. The team didn't change. So, the trajectory's not changed. There's no recovery plan. This is why KPIs are like super fanatically loved by some CI type people, but not the project team. Like for them, it's an annoyance. I have to keep mm, track of this right. thing. It's going to be used. So I have to tell a story to say why. You know, we can't do anything and they don't have time to change their trajectory. The way that they've been behaving and operating has led to this exact scenario. That's it. And having the KPI tell me that we're here, like you didn't need that. You knew that a year ago because you already know that your jobs (laughs) don't finish on time. Yeah, exactly. Right. So uh, right there with you, 100 percent. I mean, it, it just it just brings visibility to, you know, the reality. That's it. And it stops there. Right. right. And, you know, it's like if uh, the kitchen is dirty and the light is off, nobody knows the kitchen is dirty. Right. And then you turn right. the light on. Kitchen is still dirty. Right. Right. <laughs> now now you got to go get the mop. Right. <laughs> That's why I love like in your in your Toyota Kata minded way. And I'm going to have to now classify you as a Kata geek, Calvin. You're 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 automatically man, thinking like I am. Right. I'm the same way. I'm like, what's the next step? OK, now we know That's it's it. bad. Now what do we do? That's it. Right. right. Let's make it good. Right. Let me see what actions I'm more interested in what actions you're going to do to make it good. You know, that's um, but, you know, uh, that's that's part of what like we have a software it's a strategy execution software. And um, I've got some customers who sort of had the mindset that, oh, I'm going to buy this software. I'm going to cascade my strategy and I'm going to get people aligned and I'm going to, you know, use this as a tool to see kind of where we are right in real time. And they believe that just in the act of buying a software, all their problems are solved. Mm. And I'm like, no, buying the software is the beginning of the journey, right? It, it right. just made you aware at how poorly you've been executing strategy, right? You, right. You've been executing poorly forever. Now you know how poor, <laughs> how poorly you're doing it. Um, the next stage in the game is to start putting some real meaningful actions behind driving improvement and, 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 and even prioritizing where you want to put your resources so that you can, you can um, sort of use your resources to make the greatest possible impact with the time and time and, you know, resources that you have, you want to make the greatest possible impact. So um, what I got a lot of customers realizing is that they've got surplus resources put against things that aren't necessarily all that important. And then they've got a deficit of resources being put against things that are super high priority. You know, um, and just, you know, like you said, having visibility is, is step one. So once you have the visibility, now you got to you got to make some choices. You got to make some priorities and you got to actually commit and invest in making a difference. And mm-hmm. that's where that's where the real continuous improvement happens. Right. I love that. That's like so you're, you're sparking all my agile nerves are all just like lighting up in my mind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting it. stuff, man. Yeah, I think so agile makes, makes it way simpler and easier than the waterfall style. Yeah. You know? I'm so glad. And people like Calvin's experiences, a hundred percent are transcendent across multiple industries. It doesn't matter if it's retail, 
manufacturing, construction, design, product development, right? These, these things are universal across all businesses. Any organization where you're more than five people, you're going to start to have these types of issues. Like when, when teams are small or when companies are small, they typically don't have this type of issue. When, so when companies start to get larger, Right. And you start to like, you'll grow past a point where you don't even realize that you need some kind of communication methodology or process. That's it. A lot of companies just grow fast. They get lucky. And then one overnight, they're big. And then they don't have a way to even know like if they're being effective or not. That's it. And you know, here, here's the thing, like, all right, this is a, this is the thing that excites me about all this too, is that when you're small, you're, you're kind of maxed out, right? You're, you're already the underdog. You know, you're the underdog. And you're trying to do something that's really not possible, right? And you know, you're you're just going for it, right? You're right. you're doing what most people think you 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 probably can't probably think you can't do, right? And they're just waiting to see what happens. When you get big though, and these massive con- construction companies, right? Um, you tend to not shoot for the stars anymore. You tend to right. not go for the moonshots anymore, right? You you just you become content with the ten percent improvement year over year, right? Or less, and by, or less, right? <laughs> yeah. And and you know sometimes zero, right? And, right. You know negative even. You still you know um, you're so entrenched in the business world that you don't have you, your goal is just like don't mess it up, right? Right. But just think about the the latent human potential that is being suppressed in those environments. But if you're a big, massive, multi-billion-dollar company, you know, you probably got the potential to put somebody on Mars and back. Yeah, right. But these companies aren't going for that. They could say, "Hey, here's our moonshot. We're going to end poverty in the next five or ten years." They could do it, but they won't even. It, it's it's a chain reaction because the company isn't reaching for its potential. The employees aren't are also not being challenged to reach for their potential. Right. Right. And as a result, you know, it's got a, it's kind of a suppression model. So when you don't have an ambitious leader, you know, it's, it triggers sort of a chain reaction where, you know, everybody else is sort of, in order to even stay at the company, you got to sort of suppress yourself to be, to, to sort of fit in, right? Or, oh my God. Yeah. You're, you're hitting a nerve for me. I forgot I had, I had this wound, Calvin. So I, I worked, <laughs> I worked yeah, at a man. place once and we started having like massive success and, and the changes we were implementing. And I remember several, several, ladies and gentlemen, leaders in the company, people with titles like vice president operations, Mm. vice president of X, president of an office. I mean, different high level executive titles coming and saying, stop, like, this Mm. is like, you're you're working too much. And under the guise of like, we're concerned about, you know, your work life balance. And oh my uh, they gosh, were, they were trying to just like stifle the positive yeah. changes. And I remember one time we were even doing a presentation as a group, there was a group of people working across different projects and they were sharing some of these continuous improvement wins. And the president of the, of the office said, how did you even accomplish this? Like nobody, nothing you did ever, no one ever came through me. That was their problem. At the end of mm-hmm. a one hour presentation, the first question is who authorized these changes? Cause it didn't come through me. Right, exactly. And I was like, there it is. That's like, I, f- I totally forgot, Calvin, that you're, but you're right. There are That's these it. organizations and their system, they are just trying to maintain and protect the status quo. They're trying to not mess up. They're, they're playing out of fear of making a mistake instead of saying, 
look at this incredible wealth of talent and capability and human capital and potential that is under our umbrella. Let's put all this to its highest and best use, right? And, and make a real impact on, on life and humanity and, you know, whatever else, right? Um, instead of doing that, they're just like, I'm just going to sit here and, and get paid and enjoy the privileges I have and not, you know, not risk. Um, that's That's been my corporate experience, right, is uh, an experience of being of being challenged to 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 fit in right and this whole idea of cultural fit and perception of you and all this other stuff is like that's been a predominant thing you know for me because i'm somebody who will just do the right thing because it's the right thing and not because i got you know somebody's approval or you know all that stuff and uh that kind of mindset will doesn't necessarily fly in those environments because you know people are just trying to protect their little that little thing that they got that they got going and if they yeah. see you as a threat to that then they're going to try to you know move against you they and i think all that is a result of the company just not being ambitious enough right the company not wanting to do greater because if you truly want to do greater and i got felipe who came up with this thing and i'm 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 trying to get to level 10 and we're at level four and Felipe came up with something. He just did it. I'm like, Felipe is my guy. I'm putting Felipe up here, right? Do more right. of that, Felipe. We need more. We need more of that as you, as much of that as you can do. So keep doing it, right? right. Um, me and you, we're around the same age. Uh, so I think we're reaching that stage in our career where we got enough real experience where we know what's up, but we also got the energy and the talent to to do a lot more. So, you know. I can imagine there's a lot of us out there who are like interested or, or anxious to do, to, 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 to make a real difference here. Yeah. The, the listeners of the EBFC show, it's the easier, better for construction or people that know the Shingeo Shingo model, easier, better, faster, cheaper. I yeah. mean, we are all about everybody listening to the show is all about making things easier and better because why not? Like Calvin and I, you know, we've got, uh, we've been around the sun a few times. We've got, we've, it, we've seen some stuff where yeah, we man. know that time is limited. Like your time is precious. And like Calvin said, that eighth waste is arguably one of the worst. I used to think earlier when I first started getting to lean that it was like, let's deal with waiting and wasted motion. And now mm -hmm. at this stage of my game, I'm all about number eight, unutilized talent and, or just the inability for ideas to be put into play and experiment with. So everything I'm, I'm all about, let's experiment. The Toyota Kata, throw me in that same category as a Kata Geek. Oh, yeah. Because, hey, man. Well, that's where, yeah, that's where it's at. <laughs> Thank you. The honorary member. I, I love, I love it. That's it. Yeah. That's, uh, that's what, uh, I mean, I love your, even your website, Improver. You're just saying, like, let's just get better. Like, it, and you said, like, we could have infinite or, you know, unlimited type of growth. It is actually possible because, you know, we're so far from being optimized in any business. Yeah, you're, man. you're so far below from optimization. So I wanted to just uh, give you the final say, Calvin, before we re-roll clip on this and play the music out. What do you <laughs> what do you want to leave people thinking about? I think everybody should take a moment to figure out what's their moonshot, you know? And it doesn't have to be five things. And I, it really should be one thing. Like, what is your moonshot? Right. I had I've been I was challenged with that question by a mentor recently. And uh, you know, the one I came up with is that we 
um, is, is around poverty, right? Because I think, you know, when it comes to strategy execution, when it comes to continuous improvement, lean and all that stuff is, you know, the, ultimately it's to improve productivity. And, you know, productivity and poverty kind of go hand in hand, right? Um, right. High poverty and productivity is, is sort of the, the antidote to, to well, high productivity is the antidote to poverty, right? Um, the cost to fetch a gallon of water for somebody in a, in a third world country is enormously high. When here in the U.S., it's just like walking the bathroom and turn on the spigot. So low cost. So if people are consuming hours and hours of their day just to get clean, drinkable water, they're not going to be able to do bigger things in life, right? So, um, and, and, and that's, that kind of thing is really an engineering problem. So I, the way I look at Improver is like, what we're doing is we're transforming every single worker into an engineer. Don't just go do your job, but actually make it, make the work better, right? Improve your job. To me, that's the function of an engineer. I know uh, Kata and uh, the, the rest of the CI world thinks of scientific thinking as the sort of the meta skill, but I think engineering is really the meta skill because I look at science like, let's discover something new. Let's learn and understand something new. I look at engineering as not just learning, not just discovering, but taking what you discover and applying it towards some, some ends, right? Toward that moonshot, right? Toward that touchdown. So to know is not enough. You also have to apply. You know, I think at the work we're doing and transforming every worker into an engineer, the solutions, the technology, the science that they develop could end up eliminating poverty around the world. I think that's really our moonshot. That's what we're trying to do. You know, if I can, if I can get a thousand CEOs to join me, you know, and transform your business, grow profitability, reduce costs, grow productivity, serve customers better. In the act of doing that and in the act of engaging all your, your people in doing that and pulling forward, you'll, you'll inevitably create greater processes, greater tools, greater technology, greater science that could be applied towards some of the, the world's bigger problems. What's your moonshot? You decide what it is, right? And yeah. And, and, and then, and then work that down to your short-term goal and then work that down to your next action and get it done quickly. So that's it. That's it, Felipe. Does that work for you? That works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very special. Thanks to my guest. I'm Felipe Engineer Manriquez. The EBFC show is created by Felipe and produced by a passion to build easier and better. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, everybody. Let's go build. <laughs>